This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, today we talk about quarantine quarreling and how helpless keeping the peace feels. Also, Rachel goes mama bear on the dog when he hurts one of her boys, and David confirms he is not a dancing monkey. Oh my gosh. Hey, Rach. What happened at the end there? I think I uh, just went through puberty. (laughs) (laughs) Cracking my voice. (laughs) I couldn't even redo it. Pop gales. (laughs) I love, I would have loved to to have known you in puberty. You would not. Really? No. What were you like? Annoying, shorter, (laughs) a little less hairy. I mean, you're 6'4, so it's pretty hard to get. I mean, of course you're shorter. Yeah, I had a late uh, growth spurt, though. I grew, like, four to six inches between, like, sophomore, junior in high school and sophomore year in college. Man. So later than even normal. You're a tall dude. That's what I know. And I don't know that I would have liked you in puberty. I think it would have been weird. No, we've always (laughs) said that we probably wouldn't have liked each other at any other time previous to when we met. That's true. Like, even a year earlier, we might not have hit it off. Yeah, because your type, I didn't like. My type. The kind that read books and stuff. (laughs) This just took a turn. What is my type, Rachel? I don't even know. I think, well, I have this perception of you. amazingly good looking, smart. No, no. (laughs) Ouch. I think we might have a fight after this. Nah. Okay. So, no, you're more secure than that. I think that my perception of you in high school is that you were uh, moody, brooding. That's your perception of me in marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I am moody to I this know, day. I know. You're brooding sometimes. I had more of a temper in high school. Yeah. I would imagine that. Um, I just think that maybe we would, like you would have looked at me and thought, oh, she's bubbly and outgoing and annoying. And I would have been annoyed that you didn't like me. And nah, I think I w- that would have been the I, downfall. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about why if we didn't fall that, in love in, mar- in high school. We, we fell in love. We and did. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> 17 years later. Yes. So, and something we never really thought about when we were dating and falling in love was taking one of our children to the ER. Oh, my for gosh. For breaking we, his toe. Oh, my gosh. So, playing soccer in the house. I don't know if there are other moms like this out there, but I cannot even handle the like grossness. Rachel, I looks- know. Stop it. You're making like so David's sitting there with his like his uh finger straight out because basically what happened to the baby toe of one of our sons is that it broke and just like popped out. That piggy was not going wee wee wee. <laughs> Anywhere. The most awful part is that I just thought it needed to be squeezed back together. Ah. So I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I tried to squeeze it and he screamed bloody murder and it wouldn't go back. It just like popped back out. Yeah. And that was the point where we called my mom and my mom looked at it and was like, oh no. Oh, (laughs) you should go to the emergency room. And I couldn't handle it. I thought I was going to throw up. So you did it. You went to the emergency room. Yeah. No, I was glad to go to the emergency room. My favorite part was we got him in the front seat of the car. 
the whole family's helping us. Like the little boys are getting stuff for them and I'm getting in the car and you're doing stuff. And the dog's like, I'm coming too. So the good dog jumps in the car, hits his foot and he starts screaming. And hits you, our child's foot. And yeah. He and starts you screaming. start like throwing the dog. I didn't throw the... No, but he kind of flew from the passenger seat to the driver's seat and then he jumped out. And I was like, whoa, what just happened? There is something to be said about a mother's fierce love and it is truly fierce like when something happens to one of my boys whatever is in front of me I throw I just do I throw it I get it out of the way I scream at people I mean when I'm in danger with those boys like if there's any questionable circumstance I lose my mind yeah so that's what I did with the dog I I felt like the dog was harming him and so I threw the socially awkward dog you did the right thing across the car and uh, to protect him, and then he went to the emergency room. Yeah. So we've had a couple of weeks where, like, a couple bad things have happened. We've been to the emergency room, which, by the way, at the beginning of this COVID stuff, I was like, to all the boys, I was like, if any of you has anything wrong, I don't care. We are not going to the ER. Right. Unless a toe breaks, apparently. But well, anyway. we're at, it's been like three and a half months. They did pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt terrible, man. So we were playing indoor soccer, and he just caught it uh, on the uh, leg. Uh, leg of the table oh my gosh i can't even like i can't visualize he had the nicest doctor though oh that's good. he was so great and like uh, it was a it's a children's hospital so they're like used to working with kids but he was nice he was amazing um so minivan blew up um we got him a new minivan we um and we ended up in the emergency room hopefully things will settle down for the next little while hopefully hopefully (laughs) rage So we, uh, this week, are talking about quarreling. Quarreling in COVID. COVID is for quarrelers, as I like to say. It has felt, over the last couple of weeks, like the quarreling amongst our kids has exponentially grown. Yes. There's been a significant uptick. Yeah. People use exponentially incorrectly all the time, and I'm using it pretty incorrectly right now. (laughs) It might be linear, to be honest, but it's up a lot. (laughs) It's up a lot. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Well, it's a lot of like, it's not, um, I would, yeah, it's a lot of bickering, just like annoyed with each other. And some of that is that we have been um, sheltered in place for three and a half months. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of that is they have different personalities. They get at each other because they get annoyed with each other. Um, Yeah. Some of it is because I've just started. Yelling? Ignoring it or, like, yelling it, you know? (laughs) No, you don't yell that much. Yeah, I do, like, I think if you Google uh, COVID sibling quarreling, you're going to get a handful of results. Because I think this is a common theme. Not for everybody, but I think a lot of kids, I mean, it's been four months. Do you think it's different than it was before COVID uh, quarantine? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that it has worsened as the quarantine's gone on, and now they don't have any schoolwork, and so their days are a little bit more open, and you just, like, run out of things to do. You get bored. You're more irritable. We end up letting them watch a little bit more screen time, which also makes them less socially adept, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to get under, like, what's actually going on, and I think one of the things that occurs to me is that when they were doing schoolwork and when they... when they had duties, they felt accomplished and powerful in those things that they were accomplishing. And now they have nothing to feel powerful over except their brothers or sisters. You know, like, yeah. we don't have any sisters, but 
or throwing the dog across the car. <laughs> Just to feel my power. Yeah. And I think it's one of these challenges. I mean, one of the challenges is... One solution is we just entertain them all day long, right? That's a bad solution. It's a terrible solution on several levels. Yeah. But sometimes it's it's tempting to be like, oh, if I just like make fun things for them to do all day, then they won't fight and sort of the immediate concern will be solved. Yeah. But we we did a whole episode on that, episode 35, on this idea like we're not cruise directors. Like we're not here to entertain you. And I literally said that to one of our kids twice this weekend. You were gone for part mm-hmm. of the weekend. And two different times, I was like, I am not your monkey. I'm not <laughs> here to entertain you. And it's hilarious when your son is sort of, I mean, it, was, it wasn't hilarious that he was upset, but in his upsetness, he responds to me. He's like, I know you're not my monkey. <laughs> I don't even think he understood what I meant. I, I use these colloquialisms that maybe he hasn't gotten to yet. But anyway, like that's that when they quarrel, one of their responses is then to come to us to solve the fight and or to solve their boredom. And that just drives me nuts because I'm like, I don't want to entertain you. Like, I like hanging out with you. I want to engage with you. Yeah. But when you come to me only when I'm, you're not allowed to watch screens or and you're fighting with your brother, like, I feel sort of like not that important to you. I'm just a monkey. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I often feel that way. And then I... I get in these situations where I can't actually say no for some reason, and I don't yeah. know what ha- I don't know what happened to get me there. You know, yeah. like I wake up in the middle of playing some weird game that they have invented, and then I'm like, "Why am I doing this? This is their game. This yeah. is not something I'm excited about." And sometimes, you know, like I want to stay engaged with our kids. I want to have a really good time, but I mean, I and. The, I think the reason I do it is because I am so tired of conflict. Like, I have a terrible time when they are fighting. Well, one of our kids is going to make a bajillion dollars as a lawyer or a negotiator because he will spin you around, and you're like, (laughs) what just happened? And now I'm buying you ice cream and riding bicycles. I don't understand. I started with no... On like, can we play cards? And I ended up with buying you a new car. <laughs> like, how oh, did that happen? I know. I know. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Anyway, I feel a little bit helpless. I think yeah. that's a fair thing to say. Like, we've talked before about, like, how do you, um, how do you keep siblings to get, like, how do you get them to get along? And, like, what are some things that you can do in your own family that help and, you know, like, we, we have some tactics, like, putting them on the same team, like, making them work together to accomplish a goal usually sort of helps things along. I think that COVID has added a new layer to this, to where I truly, I think I do feel really helpless. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like there's just too much time, right? Like, I, yeah. I think every summer we get to this point where it's really hard when they haven't had camps for a week or two or there's nothing going on for a little while. But we've essentially had this summer type experience where they're in the house all the time for going on three and a half months. Mm -hmm. And so it's just harder than usual. And so we feel this like need to entertain them. Like we talked about, I feel this need if there's a conflict, not for their good, but for my own comfort to just like end the conflict as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. and that's not helpful right Right. like it's not they're not developing any skills all it's doing is making like providing ease to me because them yelling or them arguing creates like conflict and frustration for me and I don't want anything to do with that well and in an 
in an ideal scenario, what would you be doing instead? Like what would be productive or helpful? So I think we've talked a lot about this idea that parenting is similar to coaching. And I, uh, you know, what I want to do is to coach my kids to be able to deal with conflict. And so there's a couple pieces there, right? There's the ability to deal with things not being perfect or them not getting their way or rejection or disappointment uh, and having the resolve and grit to kind of work through that. Mm -hmm. But there's also the skills of empathy to see their brothers or sisters and understand their point of view. Uh, There's the skills of like problem solving to come up with solutions that are actually win-win instead of trying to just overpower or manipulate um, their siblings to get their way. So you're saying that you want them to learn that, like you want them to learn how to not overpower, but like how to negotiate or have a win-win scenario. Yeah, so when you say, what in an ideal situation, what I would be doing when they have conflict is, yes, teaching them skills that over time will help them deal with conflict and minimize conflict, both in their relationship with their siblings, but also long-term just in the world and in their other relationships. Yeah, so do you say that, would you say you engage with that? Like, in what, I'm curious if you engage with that, like, if that's your end goal, do you work on that? And the second question is, like, what does that look like for a dad to work on that with his kids? So I think if I'm honest, there's a good chunk of time where I don't, like, my, I just respond viscerally, which is usually with anger or frustration. And it's like some sort of yelling to get them to stop mm-hmm. without actually engaging with it. There's a good portion of time where I do actually engage with it, more than 50%. But of that time, there's a decent chunk where they break me down. And then I get to the <laughs> point where I'm like, now I just want you to stop. Like, I can't deal with this anymore. Uh, and so then there's some minority of the time, 30%, maybe 40% on a good week, where... I feel like I'm engaged and I'm talking through and I'm being reasonable and helping bring them to reasonableness and helping them see each other and understand. Um, So like this weekend was a great microcosm. You were gone for 36 hours and I had all of those. There was times when I just yelled at them Uh (laughs) to stop. There were times when I started out doing pretty well and then ended up yelling at them to stop in the middle. (laughs) And there were like one or two times where I like, we felt like we had a five minute working session together working through like, hey, can you understand why this hurt their feelings or why they don't want to do that? What's another option? What's another solution? Um, And they were, you know, they'll engage with that if you have the patience and I don't always have the patience. Yeah, so so did did it literally take five minutes? Uh, It felt like six years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a fair question. No, I mean, sometimes it's five minutes and it's because it's a relatively minor strife. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it feels like it's like 10 or 15 minutes. And... Yeah, I'm curious about this because I think that moms frequently are dealing with this, but I think dads deal with it less, unfortunately, for better and for worse. Um, and some of that is just the nature of like moms are around a bit more. They right. have more of the nurturing, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about that before. But I'm curious. But, but another big piece of it is like moms are more intuitive and engaged in that way. And dads are just, I think generally we're more likely to just be like, suck it up or stop it. Uh-huh. And that's the end of it. Or leave me alone. Like, yeah. you're annoying me. You're bothering me. Let's stop. Yep. And so I guess that's what I'm trying to get under is like, if dads are willing to do this, like how, how long does it actually take? How does the conversation start? 
with your kids when you're diving into a choral and coaching rather than yelling? Yeah. So the, the how long it really depends because sometimes it's as simple as one of the kids comes to me whining or you know complaining about how they've been treated and the response is I think you can solve this like let them know how you feel but listen and they'll go and they'll figure it out hmm. and it may not be a perfect solution but they've solved it essentially with just some guidance and I never actually enter into the conversation I'm, um, and what did they in in that particular blip what did they need from you. In order to solve? Um, so one, I think they need some perspective that most of the time, whatever they're fighting about is not that big a deal uh-huh. and that they're going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> do you literally say that? Like get some perspective? Uh, I try not to be dismissive because you know that I can be pretty sarcastic and biting. So mm-hmm. sometimes I do unfortunately say it that way. But I do want to be like, hey, let's put this in perspective as opposed to this isn't a big deal, right? Yeah. Sometimes I'll be like, you're going to be fine. And that's not the best way to do it. Um, although, again, having the ability to recognize I'm going to be fine is a, a good skill to have, even if you learn it in maybe the less than ideal way. But I do think um, helping them see like, hey, if you don't get the ball, right, that your brother has or whatever, this is not going to be the end of the world. You're going to be able to make it through this. Mm-hmm. Um, or this weekend, there was a couple times where I was sort of like, They'd be like, my brother did this. And I'd be like, you're strong enough to handle that. Like, hmm. Or like, my brother looked at me. This is a new thing that all of them have gone into where their brothers will give them like a nasty look in their mind. Yeah. And that's like the greatest sin. And I'm just like, you're strong enough to handle that. Like to me, that is, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but it's like, I am not going to uh, discipline your brother every time he gives you a nasty look. Like you're just going to have to learn how to toughen up and be like, oh, he's being a jerk and I'm okay because I'm okay. And like God loves me and my parents love me. And actually my brother loves me even though right now he's acting poorly towards me. Yeah. So I do think some of that, I'll call it toughening up, but it's really just like, hey, recognizing your worth and your strength. Um, and that's true for, bo- you know, we have boys, but I think that's equally true for girls too, right? Like whatever the interaction is to realize like you're tough enough and strong enough to handle small slights mm-hmm. and you don't need me to solve that for you. And you don't actually need your brother or sister to say like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I really messed up. Like you can just be like, oh, sometimes people are mean and I'm okay and our relationship's still okay. Yeah. I think when there are bigger stakes, um, you know, that's where you have to you need to engage in like, okay, hey, can you actually under, can you see your brother and listen to them and then have them talk about it, but not me explain it. And then, okay, do you see what's going on here with, for your brother's point of view? And, you know, I think you do that better than I do, but um, that's the uh, empathy development, which I think is such a huge skill for kids and adults to have. Yeah, like the ability to listen really well to the other person. I was going to say that I think that in your first scenario, when you were talking about like, you know, like you're strong enough, you're tough enough. I think um, that also removes the power from the sibling, you know, um, because Absolutely. I mean, what we say in our house, I say to one of our kids who like, I think one of our kids typically feels slighted and um, always feels like someone has wronged him, but he responds with like a lashing out or mm-hmm. a grumbly tone or a like a pop on the butt or like he does all these like crazy things to respond and how we've talked about it is like when somebody tickles or when you tickle someone and they don't laugh you stop tickling right because it's boring the reason you're tickling someone is to see them laugh Mm -hmm. that's sort of the positive or to annoy them 
or to annoy them. That's sort of the other side of this. And, and it's similar, like if someone's bothering you and you don't respond, you, they lost their power. They don't have the power to shake you. And so I think that's a good way to sort of think about helping our kids take back power for themselves. Because I do think that's empowering when you, when you can teach your kids, man, you can't be shaken by that stuff. Yeah. Walk away. You've got this. Yeah, and if you are demanding to be right all the time, like to have the conflict fully resolved perfectly the way you think it is, you're just going to escalate a lot of fights that don't need to happen. You right? mean, yeah, like as a parent, you mean? like No, or... as the kid. Like if every time your brother doesn't speak to you Got perfectly tone-wise or, you know, tickles you or, you know, smacks you in a way that doesn't actually hurt you but just like is annoying or sort of a, an exertion of the power if you need to resolve and have that like worked out you're just gonna have tons of conflict as opposed to just ignoring it or moving on or being like whatever yeah like you're just gonna have better relationships and more grit I think and resolve in those relationships that doesn't mean it's okay but we just like we can't adjudicate every single wrong that our kids do Mm-hmm. Justin, I could we you and I couldn't even adjudicate every single wrong we do to each other as adults, like who love mm-hmm. each other very much. Well, right? I try. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you make this point when we fight because I tend to like assume that I'm just great if you don't complain. You're like you, David. I overlook all these things you do. <laughs> just just because I don't bring them up doesn't mean that they don't bother me. And, and I'm always worry. like every time I'm surprised. It's been 17 years. I'm like really? Oh, I thought I was doing perfect. And then I pull out my scroll and I'm like, here's the list. <laughs> I've kept track. Don't worry. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, so to me, all those things are a little bit developed. Like, it's building strength in yourself. It's building self-control. It's building an ability to uh, kind of manage your feelings and minimize conflict in your relationships. I totally agree. Not escalating every time something wrong goes wrong. Yeah. Do you, do you see a difference between when you address the situation and when I address the situation? Well, I do think there are differences in our skill set and intuitiveness and how we see the boys. And even some of it's just perspective, like we've talked about before. I t- it's easier for me to see the younger sibling's point of view as a youngest yeah. sibling. Like, yeah. Um, but that's not always right. It's just a function of how uh, I operate. But I actually would say the bigger difference is not whether you're dealing with it or whether I'm dealing with it. It's where our head and hearts are in that moment. Like, both of us can snap too quickly. No, not me. And both of us... (laughs) I'm just going to keep moving. Can't escalate everything. (laughs) And both of us can have, like, amazingly reserved, calm, helpful conversations with our kids. Yeah. And both of us can do the thing in the middle where we start out doing great and then we end up snapping, right? So to me, it's really just a function of, like, patience and where we are in the day or the week uh, in terms of how many of these kind of conflicts we've had. Um, and, and to be honest, like sometimes it's just like how much uh, like emotional intelligence or strength do I have in that moment? Mm-hmm. And like the more reserve I have, the better I can deal with it. And the more, the more I'm like, just not like trying to get them to stop annoying me with their fighting. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that like it takes reserve, but it also takes um, a lot of Uh, fortitude and determination to just stick to saying no. I think especially over these last couple weeks, I have felt myself um, just being spun around by a couple of them. And 
I feel like my job in that is to dive into that chaos and just be like, stop, enough. I'm stopping this for you. Like, you're begging me to stop this because you are spinning. Like, you don't even know which way is up right now. You don't even know what you really want. And so it just, but it does take a lot of emotional reserve to be able to say stop and stick to your guns over and over. And I mean, what that has actually looked like for me in the last week has been one of our kids just spins and I just sat there and was like, no, 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 no. Until we kind of laughed about it, but I literally was just like, no, I have said no. I mean no. You can trust my no, Mm -hmm. no. You know, so, you know. (laughs) You know, no. (laughs) But uh, what I'm saying is um, that takes a lot of emotional reserve. Yeah. Well, and one of the things you just mentioned is, and this varies by age and sort of the conflict and what's going on, but teaching our kids how to identify what they really want or why they feel wronged is also a really valuable skill. I feel like that's a skill I didn't develop until like the last four or five years is being like, it's changed our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a joke, right? No. I mean, I sort of said it jokingly to see what you would do, but yeah, it actually has changed our marriage. No, I think it has too. Like knowing when I feel sad or worried or angry and being able to, it may take time being able to dissect like what's really going on. You know, like I feel angry right now. What's underneath that? Oh, I'm actually worried about something. Oh, why am I worried about that thing? Yeah. You know, so forth. Yeah. I would say a good rule of thumb is if you're feeling angry, you can probably point to sadness or fear and start there and say, Oh, what might I feel sad about? Or what might I feel afraid about? Because usually anger is a byproduct of one of those two things. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think in our marriage, that's been, a really good thing to realize because this happens probably rarely might be the right way to say it, but at least off the bat. But when you're angry at me, if I can be like, Oh, she's hurt or scared, like let's figure out what's going on or yeah. vice versa. When I'm angry, instead of being like, Oh, he's angry. Let's fight. It's like, he's angry. He's either hurt or scared. Let yes. me help him figure out which one. Yeah. Like it does help lead our kids also. So it leads in our marriage and I think it leads our kids into evaluating and understanding what are they actually desiring? What are they, what are they afraid of? Like, so I would say looking at our kids fighting, what we had mentioned earlier is they're afraid that they're going to lose some sort of power between each other. I think that's one of the things mm-hmm. that emerges pretty frequently and, and another, when we, we have three kids, and so I think the other one is like feeling like an outsider because yeah. two of them are getting along and or doing something and not including the third one or kind of pushing them in a way. And again, that's you can make it fair, but what they really want is to feel like they belong and that their brothers, brothers love them and want to play with them. Right? Yeah, totally. And it's fair to also say the idyllic situation would be that they would all get along and play. But the reality is that they are human and they are going to fight. And sometimes it's okay to let them fight it out and say, I'm really helpless in this, and then send them outside. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so um, we're running up to 30 minutes. So I just want to ask one final question. What would you say um, you want fathers specifically to hear? Like, I think moms are thinking a lot about this stuff pretty frequently. Um, What do you want? fathers to hear you say um about how to lead and coach their kids so one i would say 
know that you have a huge opportunity to have positive impact here. Um, and that's true in probably most areas of parenting, but this is a specific area where having a masculine voice, whether it's for your sons or daughters, is just a really good way to help them see, oh, dealing with conflict is a normal thing, and my father is helping me figure out how to have those skills and not avoiding conflict or, um, you know, just shouting it down, if you will, or just dominating to win. Yeah. Uh, so know that it matters. Uh, two, know that, like, this is a long game, and so it's really frustrating to engage and try to develop skills as opposed to just solve the problem, and the problem is that they're fighting and it's annoying you. <laughs> right. Right, but... That the long game is, oh, I can actually make better humans and better adults who will be able to deal with conflict in a more constructive ways and have better relationships if I just keep working at coaching them. Yeah. Uh, I would say three, it's okay that you're not going to be perfect and sometimes you're going to yell. Just go apologize and talk to your kids about, hey, I could have done this better. Like show some vulnerability and some transparency when you do, but don't beat yourself up over it. Um, and then... Uh, I think four would be some, just like some four A, B, C, D would be some small practical things. So one is, I think our, like one of the things that came up recently with one kid in particular, but it's really been all three of our kids in different ways over the last couple of weeks is they're really demanding and wanting some one-on-one time with me. And so trying to figure out how to make that work and not, not every whim and like every time they want to do it or just like things that don't work with our schedule, but like finding some time, even 20 minutes the other night with one of our kids and saying, Hey, we're going to set the timer for 20 minutes. It's just you and me. And this is, you know, we can do whatever you want, or we're going to do this game. We decided, um, I think that's just so helpful for them to feel loved and belonging and like that connection with you that Uh allows them to do better and take slights from their siblings. And there's just the normal things that you have because they feel the security. I would say number two um, is to help them figure out how to have space and like things they can do by themselves when they're annoyed by their siblings. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing was something that we didn't even come up with. One of our kids was like, I want to do a family sleepover. Oh my gosh. And we're like, it was amazing. At first though, I was like, this sounds terrible. Like (laughs) it's not going to meet his expectations. It's not going to work. But, and all we did was we bought a bunch of candy and popcorn. We watched a movie in our bedrooms so that they all got to like snuggle in our bed and watch a movie on our TV, which they thought was super fun. And it was late at night. And it it was later than usual because we played a few games beforehand. And then only one of the three ended up sleeping in our room, but we had an air mattress. They were all invited and the other two were like, no, we'll just go to our beds. Yeah. Um, And then when we woke up, like everyone kind of jumped in our bed again. And that was family sleepover. And I think we did special breakfast, like pancakes or something. One of the kids made. We had a special breakfast. And what was interesting about that, like you you mentioned that having 20 minutes with you solidifies who they are. It encourages their strengths. Yeah. And I think what was interesting um, about the day after the family sleepover, they had enough of us. Like we had a special time. And then the next day, they actually fixed breakfast on their own. That's right. And they actually fixed lunch and planned a picnic together and invited us to join them. It was like this mind-blowing expedition. I could not even understand. But I think what you had said about getting time that's exclusive or like solely dedicated does embolden them and strengthen them in order to function on their own. So then it's not this constant grappling for power or for attention. Yeah, and I think, you know, the family sleepover is just an example of doing fun things together 
that are really just the five of us for us because there's five of us. If you have fewer than five, don't bring five people. <laughs> if you have more than five, definitely don't exclude some of them. Like, bring them all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just want to be clear. If you have five kids, all seven of you should be together. Yeah. Don't just take your five favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, I heard it on this podcast. <laughs> oh no, God. but, like, it could be anything where you're working together and, and having, like, that communal time where we're like, hey, we're a unit and we're doing fun things together. And there was a little give and take. Like we did one thing that one kid wanted to do and one thing another kid wanted to do. Um, and we had to work through which movie to watch and all that stuff. But like that kind of communal connection and belonging, to your point, allows them to just go off and feel freedom and security that they might not feel otherwise. Yeah, I totally agree. Drop the mic, Smith. Drop the mic, stat of the week. Stat of the week. All right, Rach. Rach. What's up, Dave? So can I share an unpopular opinion with you? Nope. Next question. All right. (laughs) Well, this has been your set of the week. (laughs) Brought to you by... (laughs) Tell me, yeah, what what are your thoughts? So my unpopular opinion is I think Tom Hanks is fine. Oh, I didn't know that we were going to make that public (laughs) about your thoughts on this. People love Tom Hanks. I love Tom Hanks. Do you really? Like, is he your favorite actor? Oh, no, no, no. Who's your favorite actor? You said that with such... John Krasinski, always, because you look exactly like You would meet John Krasinski over Tom Hanks? Oh, my gosh, yes. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I feel like Tom Hanks is the most popular movie star of our lifetime. Really? People love him. I know. Everyone thinks he's so great and, like, he's a good actor. he's, like, a super nice guy. As far as we know. I know. As far as we know. (laughs) I mean, but, I like to think he's a nice guy. Yeah, and I don't dislike Tom Hanks. Yeah. I just think he's fine. He's fine. I do think he's a good actor. Yeah, let's go through his IMDb real quick. Not the whole thing. He has like he's, 93 actor credits. We're not going to go through all these. Wow. So one, he was in Bosom Buddies. Fantastic show. Really? I don't yeah, remember Probably that. doesn't age well because it was about two men dressing up as women in order to get into a like female apartment complex. Probably wouldn't fly right now, but that's But funny. anyway, it was funny. He also played Ned Donnelly on Family Ties, which was their uncle who had an alcohol problem. Oh, my gosh. And he drank um, uh, vanilla extract because it had like <laughs> alcohol in it. Oh, my gosh. And he, his line was, don't drink and bake. Um, but then like Splash... Amazing movie. I think that was like his first big hit. Bachelor Party, eh. The Man with One Red Shoe, eh. Money Pit, eh. Yeah. All these movies are eh. Yeah, but that's big, the beginning of his career. Big, amazing movie. Okay, so big probably put him on the map in a big way. And I don't mean that to be silly or facetious. Yeah. Like, I really think that was one of his first big ones. The Burbs, not good. Turner and Hooch. It was pretty good. The dog dies. Yeah, Sorry to ruin it for you. To do with and then at, at the end, he just gets another dog. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. Yeah, but that's maybe it the storyline. I mean, Tom Hanks was great in it. A League of Their Own, great movie. I feel like he's not that important to it. Yeah. Sleepless in Seattle. Do you like that movie? Yes and no. So that's the beginning of the era that I think Tom Hanks played the same character over and over. Okay. Uh, like that's funny that you say that because the next year he plays Forrest Gump, very different character, <laughs> and he's yeah. in Philadelphia, <laughs> very different character. That's true. Okay, so he has some diversity in his acting ability. But you might be I thinking guess of, he's a good actor. You might be thinking <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle, and then You've Got Mail is like yes. four years later. Yes, and then there was another one that came after that. Like I feel like there's kind of a um, yeah a so, type that he played for a little bit. Yeah, I also will never forgive him for Polar Express. 
I hate that movie. <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> I know you do. I know. You and I, we just disagree. Yeah. So. On so much. Da Vinci Code was fine. Charles Wilson's War, blah. Anyway. Castaway? What about that? I never saw Castaway as a kid. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah. He's the voice of Toy Story. Anyway, so here's my stat of the week for you. Okay. Here's my question. Can you tell me, um, as of July 4th, 2019... So I'm not sure if Toy Story 4 is in here, but that's not the answer. Okay. What his top grossing film of all time is, adjusted domestic earnings. Top grossing film. Yeah, according to Forbes.com. Have we mentioned it already? Uh, I'm not going to give you that clue. Forrest Gump is my guess. That is correct. Yeah, buddy. Any clue? As a note, as a note, don't watch Forrest Gump with your 10-year-old child. Just a note. Not I mean, appropriate? Too, not, mu- too much of the Jenny stuff? Uh, there's a lot of Jenny stuff. There's just a lot of stuff that you'll end up having to explain. Uh, like, there's just so much um, historical stuff in there that was hard and yeah. takes a lot of explaining. And I we watched it. So when the kids stay home sick for a day, I let them watch some movie that their brothers can't watch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that particular one I watched with our oldest, who was 10 at the time, and we had to pause it. It's a three-hour movie, and we had to pause it. It took us all day because I had to explain, <laughs> like, Vietnam War. I had to explain, yeah. like, the um, the boat thing and then the ping-pong thing and, the, like, just all of this stuff that was important and had historical context. But if yeah. you don't understand that, it's a hard movie to watch. You Makes know. sense. Anyway, unless you have a child who's not super curious, then watch it away. That's great. <laughs> Our child was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What do you yeah. mean? Yeah, it's sort of interesting because the Vietnam War was so, like, present in our childhood. Right. And our kids probably don't know that much about it. They're much more versed on, obviously, like, 9-11 and Iraq yeah. and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't even thought about that. So, anyway, Forrest Gump, do you have any guess on how many millions of adjusted domestic earnings as of 2019? No, no I have no Less clue. Less than a billion. 900 million. 708. Wow. Yeah. That's Toy Story 3 at that point was 481. Toy Story 2 was 431. Saving Private Ryan, also another movie that I was sort of like, I saw it once, I'll never see it again. Yeah. Uh, 413. Wow. Um, yeah, those are all adjusted domestic. If you just look at global, though, number one is actually Toy Story 3 at over a billion dollars. Followed by the Da Vinci Code. Apparently, people outside the U.S. really like the Da Vinci Code. I liked the Da Vinci Code. I thought the movie was fine. The book was amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I'll drop the mic there. <laughs> hey, Rach, thanks hey, for working on the farm. Thank you for working on the farm. Check ya. Yeah.